Good morning, everyone, and welcome to The Culture, where we talk about the things that really matter. And this is the last of the week before I hit the road. I'm off on Friday morning uh, to head to Bavaria to see Matilda and Samuel for a week and do some work uh, with some clients. And I'll also uh, the PR campaign gets kicked off for the book, which I will keep you involved with. But rest assured, I will find time for the community and keep them coming. But I thought we would end uh, this culture section. We've done five albums you must listen to. And yes, I changed my mind. This is the great thing about owning your own uh, podcast. You can do what you want. And after thinking about The Legend of Sid Barrett, uh, which merited certain thought, I decided I would look at another casualty of countercultural excess. Jim Morrison, The Hippie Dionysus, and The First Doors album, Never Bettered the first Doors album, uh, the eponymous album, The Doors of the Doors. Uh, we're, we're going to look at, again, one of the greatest debut albums in rock, right up there with Mr. Tambourine Man. And the five albums we've done are Joni Mitchell's Peerless Blue, uh, every bit as good as anything Dylan did. She's absolutely right to complain about not being recognized. I'm glad to see she was at the Grammys and sung both sides now there. I think that was wonderful. Uh, a, tr a belated tribute to someone who's been underrated. She's not just the, the best female uh, folk rock singer, singer-songwriter. She's up there in Dylan's league. Let's stop limiting her by gender. She's amazing. Uh, we looked at Marvin Gaye's Great Soul R&B concept album, What's Going On? Also incredibly underrated, I think. Uh, we then went on to look at Mr. Tambourine Man, that along with the Doors album here, is perhaps the greatest uh, initial album where the Doors, in effect, invented folk rock, or sorry, the Birds, in effect, invented folk rock, much as the Doors can be said to really invent the, the final version of psychedelic music here with the eponymous record. And in between that, we've, uh, we've had a look. I'm trying to think of them all. Good grief. I'm, I'm losing track. Let's see. We've done the Doors, Mr. Tambourine Man, Marvin Gaye, uh, Joe, oh, 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 and the Zombies, the great concept album, Odyssey and Oracle. Uh, very underrated. So we've done a mix of great first albums and very underrated albums. And this is the culture. This is the extra segment we do beyond foreign policy. If foreign policy and realism is about the things in life we need to protect, the albums in the culture section are about what we are protecting. We are very much too much shy about the value of Western civilization, the greatest civilization, I think, in history. And I'm a historian and, and, and an appreciator of other cultures, certainly. But you tell me a culture that's as varied as Western civilization in just the last hundred years. And we are way too meek about how good it is. And so we're going to revel in the culture and the good things of the world. We've looked at Ernest Hemingway. We've looked at, at uh, Italian cinema. We've looked at Raymond Chandler. We're going to go on to have another look at cinema and the great director Robert Altman next. Why Robert Altman Matters, five great Altman movies. Uh, he had flashes of popularity, but really the oeuvre of Altman is also underrated. And I want to look at the themes about, 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 about creating ecosystems for his characters. What he's interested in is not famously the plot in Gosford Park, he forgot to care about who actually committed the murder, but the ecosystem of the story is what makes Altman unique. Again, the freedom to be creative is what matters. 
And that's what the culture is all about, which is what I hope transcends my work in foreign policy, my speaking and my writing. In the culture, we look at the freedom to be creative. And that brings us to the doors. What is there to say that's new about the hippie Dionysus, about Jim Morrison, Ray Manzarek, Robbie Krieger, and John Densmore? Actually, rather, and this album, you know, Morrison's problem was similar to Hemingway's, that he became a cartoon character of himself. Hemingway became the writer, how writers behave, and, and kind of fell into the abyss of the stylized version of Hemingway, particularly in the 1930s, his fallow period, where he's this hard-drinking, womanizing, brawling guy, all of which was true and part of who Hemingway was. But, you know, as people say about Lord Byron, when we mention all his peccadilloes, I say, yeah, he also found some time to write some poetry. Uh, like that, Hemingway found some time to write some some books, and, and those books has a test, test of time. Morrison's the same way. He became, um, like Sid Barrett, a, a cultural figure, you know, beware of this. And as Morrison himself said, uh, the fans came to come to see my death and not my words. As time went on, a serious, sensitive, wildly ambitious guy who understood because of his sporadic but very deep education it's an awful lot Morrison didn't know, but what he knew, he knew. Be it, be it, be it, be it French symbolic poetry like Rimbaud um, or Jungian psychology, how to, how to drive crowds into a frenzy. Morrison practiced what he preached, but he became the symbol of an out-of-control rock star. And lost in all this was the real beauty and ambition of his work, particularly the early stuff. You can argue that from the eponymous Doors album, The Doors, The Doors, Every album thereafter was just a little bit less good. That after The Doors came Strange Days, a very fine little, all that's missing to make it a great album is there were no hits on it. Uh, but Strange Days is, in terms of quality of the record, is right up there with The Doors. And then there's a market, you know, tailing off with Waiting for the Sun, still okay. And then we head down into the depths of Soft Parade, which is, you know, certifiably awful. I tried to listen to it the other day. On, uh, on Spotify while I was shaving. I never turn off the music while I'm shaving, and I did. It's so bad. More tell, 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 I think, limps along. The only good thing about Morrison Hotel is that he begins to discover the blues aspects of the band. And then there is a resurgence at the end with L.A. Woman, which is a good record, if not a great one. But they never quite capture again the magic of The Doors, The Doors. And that's why... That's the tragedy of Morrison. That's the price he paid for being an out-of-control lunatic hanging from balconies, drinking himself into a stupor, um, and really it showed up. Soft Parade, if you want an anti-alcohol um, advertisement, listen to Soft Parade and what it's done to him. The Doors didn't last very long uh, because of Morrison flaming out. Uh, the Doors was recorded, the debut album, it was, it was uh, released in uh, January 1967, by 1970-71, it's all over with L.A. Woman and Morrison going off to Paris where he dies. Um, ironically now, and, and there are a couple of good new Doors by Morrison biographies, he probably died now, it seems, of a heroin overdose unwittingly given to him by his long-suffering and equally demented girlfriend, Pamela Corson. Um, there seems to be a cover-up. There was no autopsy. He was thrown into a bathtub. All these are signs of heroin abuse. Morrison didn't do heroin for all the talk of abuse. He'd moved off of LSD. I mean, his drug of choice, he was a writer, and his drug of choice was alcohol, like Hemingway, ironically. 
But it seems that on this one occasion, he yuck, bam, 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 and doing some heroin, and this finished him off. That this is now the most up-to-date version of what happened to the mystery of the end of Morrison. But frankly, he's been on a long, he's been on a rather steep decline, but a steady decline from this first record onwards to 71 and dying in Paris. I mean, I remember as a kid going to Père Lachaise Cemetery as a pilgrimage to see Morrison's grave along with that of Chopin and Balzac who were buried there. And it's sort of a fitting end. But Morrison, for Morrison, a death was a good career. There wasn't any more creatively coming out of him that alcohol and excess had stanched his view of freedom. Um, and I wrote about this earlier on. If you want to go back and look at our very first substacks, there's an interesting one where I look at Brian Wilson, Arthur Lee, uh, John Phillips, and Jim Morrison, all of whom really are playing with the idea of freedom. For Morrison, freedom means terrible total nothingism. He's a nihilist, uh, but it seemed exciting at the time, but the first album doesn't go anywhere. I think that like Jimi Hendrix's music, it's very interesting. Out of nowhere, it explodes, the first Doors album, but it really doesn't go anywhere. After Waiting from the Sun, when the band decides not to do his long-form poem, Celebration of the Lizard, the creative energy and adventure is over. But that's not the case in this first album, which I wanted to celebrate. I wanted to, in effect, Tarantinoize Morrison by bringing back this incredibly creaturous and rarely bettered first album. And the first album was produced by Paul Rothschild, brought in by Jack Holtzman, who was the head of Electra Records. Arthur Lee, that fan, I mean, one of my favorite groups of all time. I'm sure we'll talk about it again. I did a whole podcast and have a look back on just Arthur Lee and Love Forever Changes. And again, Arthur Lee is the centerpiece of the original one with Brian Wilson, Morrison, John Phillips, and Arthur Lee looking at their very differ differing views of freedom. But Arthur heard, heard, heard about Morrison and championed his work and said to Jack Holtzman, you should go hear this guy. And so Holtzman goes to the Whiskey A Go Go where Morrison and the Doors are the house band and listens to them and is so taken with them, he hears the end. Uh, Morrison's edible, edible tribute, which is so mesmerizing at the time that the go-go dancers who were trapped in cages, I mean, yes, this is the 1960s, guys, who go-go dancers who were in cages dancing above the crowd, top, 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 dancing, just to listen to Morrison's version of the end. It's so mesmeric, probably the best song Morrison ever wrote, but of course it's Oedipal, and the head of the whiskey throws throws the doors out when Morrison gives an uncensored version of the Oedipal ending of the end. But the album is really... The two pillars that hold it up are the two long-form records. Already that's staring. They're not playing for singles, a bit like Pink Floyd later, after Sid Barrett, when Roger Waters is it. The long-form records are the ones that sell, which is counterintuitive in rock. Up until The Doors, really, and The Beatles, it's all and, and The Zombies and these concept albums, it's all about the singles. The Doors, The Doors is great because it has Light My Fire, which went to number one, Robbie Krieger's first record, but it also has these two long-form records. Uh, uh, a edited version of Light My Fire goes to number one, but the longer jazz version, infused version, with Manzarek plays as well as Manzarek does, um, every single member of the group in a jazz-like fashion got to strut their stuff. Densmore on the drums, Robbie Krieger doing a bluesy flamenco thing, Densmore with his jazzy uh, bossa nova-inspired drumming, and Manzarek playing both the bass part of the Doors 
and and the organ part sounding like you know carnivalesque. Um, somebody a carnival barker on LSD uh, is probably the best way to put it. They each get a turn in a jazz-like way in between Morrison's mesmerizing vocals. But between that and the end, these are the pillars that hold up the doors. And this is counterintuitive, incredibly adventurous and brave. This is a band that, like Orson Welles when he's making Citizen Kane, are fearless because they don't know any better. They do what they want to do. They're not aware it's not done to put two seven-minute songs on a record and expect the thing to sell. An edited version of Light My Fire goes to number one, but if you listen to the album, longer version, this jazz-infused version of Light My Fire and the end that really hold the record up. There's some great other songs on it as well. I mean, one of the things that's interesting is how adventurous and eclectic the record is. It's commonly seen as one of the great psychedelic albums, and it certainly is. I mean, they were all influenced by acid at this point, by LSD. Um, at this point, again, Densmore moved from LSD with Krieger into, in, and Manzarek into Transcendental Medicine. But at the time, they're all tripping and on acid when the record is being worked on in 1966. In August, they recorded the whole thing with Rothschild in only a week which is amazing when you think about it. It's a very, very tight record because what they did, and, and it's it feels almost like a live record because they just performed their set from the Whiskey A Go-Go where they played much as the Beatles played in Hamburg. The Beatles went to Hamburg, a pretty mediocre Liverpool band, and came back one of the best bands in the world because they played constantly and got tighter and tighter and tighter. This is what happened with the Whiskey A Go-Go. Manzarek later said that's where the magic began because they're playing constantly getting tighter and tighter and tighter. And so they could record this thing for a week because it's what they did all the time. And it is still incredibly adventurous to listen to. And I, I commend you to listen to The Doors this week. On the record, Beyond Psychedelia, you have jazz, you have classical influences, R&B, hard rock, and the blues. I mean, the, the Doors would morph as Morrison grew fatter into a very good blues band, starting in Morrison Hotel. The only good thing about the record is that they really do find their blues direction. And then later, more, more successfully with L.A. Woman, you can find those blues touches here. There are all kinds of songs that are clever and interesting. Uh, Break On Through, where they boldly talk about increasing snessness, in this case, through the, the use of LSD, is the first single. I mean, it's, it's not today. Can you imagine them pitching it to the PR cowards who run music industries? Hi, we want to do a song that's about Robert Blake and the notion of breaking on through with William Blake and breaking on through with consciousness, which is where the doors of perception, the Huxley and the Blake ideas of using drugs to expand your consciousness come from. They'd be like, next, please. On through, you know, is a fantastic Bossa Nova-infused song by Densmore, a great jazz playing a drummer. And you've got songs like a Bertolt Brecht song, uh, the Alabama song. They take an old 20s Bertolt Brecht Kurt Vile song, put it on the record. Soul Kitchen, where a playful look at blues and R&B and where the doors will be heading after this record and after really the height of their fame with Psychedelia. That, that's a really interesting song. I love Soul Kitchen. The very clever, seemingly cultural 20th Century Fox, written about Manzarek's girlfriend, the beautiful Dorothy Fujikawa. That's on the record. That's fantastic. There isn't a bad song on it, and they are all different. They are all adventurous, wildly eclectic. Um, and the reason it's so good, though, is that the players were so good. We forget 
how good Morrison was as a frontman, that the other three are world-class players fused together in a group. And yet without Morrison, after Eris and his immortality, the three try to recreate the magic and can't do it, even though they're three of the greatest players in the world. That's how good Morrison was. His singing was indifferent, much like Frank Sinatra, who I love, but he was the first real crooner since Sinatra. Morrison interprets lyrics like Sinatra. The phrasing, the intonation is where he's at. That's what's interesting about Morrison, much in the way of Sinatra. And ironically, later on, as the Doors become famous, Sinatra, without irony, comes to love Sinatra, which would seem a very uncool fit for this psychedelic hipster. But he's right instinctively to see himself in Sinatra's Image. There were greater singers in the 50s than Sinatra. Tony Bennett had certainly a better voice, but nobody ever interpreted a record like Sinatra. As his ex-wife, um, Ava Gardner, said, Frank, sing to me. When you sing, I believe every word you said, you speak the truth. Perhaps not in life, but in singing. The same holds true for Morrison. The intonation, the, you're, you're, you're with him on these journeys that he takes you on through Light My Fire and through the end. Again, Light My Fire... Written by Robbie Krieger, the first song he ever wrote. The band was short some material. Morrison demanded they all go do homework. Everyone write a universal song. The only one to actually do so was Robbie. Morrison listens to it very quickly. Densmore puts a bossa nova beat over it. And Manzarek crafts the beautiful, defining sound of the doors, the carnivalesque sound of, of Manzarek's beautiful, intricate organ playing which again, a carnival barker on acid, and you have the magic of the record. The interesting thing about the Doors sound was that Manzarek also played the bass on, on, on a hand bass. So you don't have a bass player per se, so the songs aren't as heavy. The band sounds simply different because there's no bass player. It's just Manzarek playing a bass at the same time with one hand, at the same time he's one brilliantly playing the organ with the other. And if you see a Doors performance and go online, there are a bunch of them. The one in Toronto is particularly good. And you see Manzarek playing, constantly playing both things and not at the same time. And you wonder what he's doing. Well, he's playing the bass with one hand and the organ part with the other. And that really creates this unique sound that they have. And Light My Fire, again, the edited version. But listen to the long version on the album. It's better. It's the jazz version. Everyone gets a chance to have a, you know, to riff. And so Densmore has a, has a solo. Krieger has a solo. Manzarek has a solo. And it's bookended by Morrison's urgency about the lyrics, which are really incredible. Again, he's the Frank Sinatra of psychedelia. On the other hand, the end is my favorite Doors song. Uh, so good to, 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 to describe the lunacy of Vietnam when he's doing Apocalypse Now. Francis Ford Coppola uses the song. Uh, they met um, Morrison and Coppola in L.A. Film School together, incredibly, along with Manzarek, who was far more serious about film than was Morrison. And they met, and the version of the end, which uh, begins and ends the, re the movie, is just incredible, bookends the movie. Um, this is a song about absolute destruction. Morrison originally was written about Morrison breaking up with one of his girlfriends. He then said it became a song, a bigger song about the death of childhood. But in, in, in Coppola taking it for Apocalypse Now, again, you're constantly reusing art. I think we should do that all the time. When I, when I uh, was involved in The Godfather, we were reusing Coppola, who was reusing Morrison, to make it. This is how art works. You adapt 
you take bits of it, you move ahead. And it went from being about a girlfriend, Morrison, the end of Morrison's childhood, to in Vietnam being about the end of the American dream of imposing democracy on the rest of the world and the, and the, and the madness that that leads to. And Morrison universalizes the end, of course, with the famous Oedipal section, the spoken part of the Oedipal section, which, again, was, is so riveting. And again, like Sinatra, he, he talks it. It's the intonation that matters. And Morrison utterly commits himself to that. He's not a parody. He's not a caricature. He's, he's, he's utterly committed to his role as taking us through, break on through, light my fire in the end. He is going to be Virgil uh, taking Dante through the circles of hell. And in the end, you see the various demons and ghouls that, that are upon it. It becomes far more universal to the point that Coppola can take it and use it down the road. It's so universal. And it's my absolute favorite song. I was listening to it the other day. Shaving, I finished shaving, I still kept listening. It, it, it is extraordinarily because Morrison is not winking and nodding. He's not a caricature of what he had once been. He is what he is. I mean, the joke is, and it was said at, at, at Electra, that Morrison was only the hippie Dionysus, the sex symbol, for a very short period of time. Too many tacos, too many cheeseburgers, and way too much alcohol made him put on weight very quickly. But the 1967 version of Morrison with the Alexander the Great haircut where he tilts his head. Um, 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 this is a man, this is before PR operations were out there. He's his own one-man PR band, and boy, does it work. For a brief fleeting moment in 1967, Jim Morrison was what later on became a caricature. He's the hippie Dionysus, the articulate modern version of the French symbolist poet Arthur Rimbaud, taking us on a journey into unexplored territory. It's incredibly exciting incredibly adventurous, and incredibly in, 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 in almost every way. It's eclectic, it's electric, it's committed, the phrasing is good, and Densmore, Krieger, and Manzarek, all of them fantastic players, are at the top of the game. Krieger with his blues-infused flamenco, John Densmore with the bossa nova jazz riffs, and Manzarek playing organ is only Ray Manzarek and perhaps Rod Argent of the Zombies can. Everyone is on top of the game. The drugs, the alcohol, the groupies, the fighting, ex ex exhaustion, the trying to live up to this album. All this is yet to come. The steep decline is yet to come. But in the doors, the doors, you glimpse a new world and Morrison serving as our shaman, as our Virgil taking Dante through the circles of hell, takes us to new places. This record actually lives up to the hype that Morrison sadly and tragically became. I commend you to listen to it. It's a great way to end our albums you must listen to series. One of, one, of, one, of, one of the greatest records ever made, one of the greatest debut albums ever made with the Frank Sinatra of rock, Jim Morrison and the Doors, The Doors. Enjoy. Thanks very much. Very fun to end with The Doors, one of my absolute favorite records growing up that I've come to love again, as one does, and is now on my Spotify a shaving playlist. Again, I, I'm bored spitless by doing anything repetitive. I, I put on music for the dishes, which is one of my tasks here in the house, and also for And I've come to really revisit my childhood and go back to it, um, you know, to quote Dylan and Younger, that than my back pages. You know, I was older than that then, I'm younger than that now. Um, I'm certainly, that's the case for me. But boy, is this a wonderful record. And Morrison, for once, lives up to the hype.
Enjoy this record. Enjoy the culture section. For those of you who haven't subscribed, please do so. And for those of you who have, please, to do things like the culture in addition to all the foreign policy that we give you as we morph into a daily or semi-daily newspaper. Again, we promised about three a week, which we're keeping up to. Please do give the $70, which is merely the price of the espresso I'm going to go have now and toast you all. I will see you next from the road. The next time you'll hear from me will be from Bavaria as we begin our year and head off. John, good night. And I just put uh, the New York and Washington trip in the book for uh, next month. Very important for our book. Last best buy, 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 buy it on Amazon today. And we have events already scheduled to do speaking keynotes in Barcelona and Warsaw in June. There'll be more of that to come, obviously, as we fill out our concert t-shirts for the year. But I hope you enjoyed the culture section. We will move on to cinema next and why Robert Altman matters, looking at five Altman films. Not necessarily the most famous ones, but the ones that touched me. And, and like The Doors, Altman stays with you. And so I, I think that for those of you who know him, this will be exciting. And who, who, who don't have heard the name but don't know the oeuvre of the work, we're going to do five Altman films um, in, in quick order coming up. And of course, we'll keep going with Around the World in 20 Minutes, the Patrick Henry podcast, and all the things that make our community what it is. Take care, everybody. Have a great weekend and enjoy the end.